What is up, guys? Welcome to the second episode of Out of the Pin Podcast here on Track Stars Sports. I am Eric Boston. He is Ryan Cameron. How are we doing tonight, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great, my man. How are you? Man, you know, I'm excited. You know, last week we had our first episode and the response. I'm sure we'll get into this in just a second, but the response has been great uh, over this past week. Um, you know, I'm just excited that they're letting us do this a second time, to be honest with you, man. Hey, I'm right there with you. I mean, I want to say thanks for all the listeners. Thanks for all the love. We appreciate it, man. It's awesome. Oh, definitely, definitely. The the support, you know, on, on Twitter has been amazing. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing this thing grow. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, like, like it's been better than anything I could with you. So before we jump in to our topics and what we're going to talk about this week, um, I wanted to mention something to you guys that uh, we really wanted to kind of bring up last week, but we just didn't. Um, but I, I think it's a good thing that we did because uh, or that we did it that way because there's some awesome news to kind of share this week. Uh, without going into too much detail, guys, um, you know there there's a one of our fellow Track Stars brothers, uh, Chris who uh, does social media for track stars that um, without going into detail, he's just, he's had it rough. You know, he got, he was attacked in his home uh, a couple weeks ago. If you go to our uh, Twitter account at um, out of the pen underscore TS on Twitter, that is out of the pen underscore TS. You'll see a pin tweet there that uh, talks about what's going on with Chris, man. And, um, you know, rough situation, but, but praise God, man, he, uh, has some exciting, uh, steps that take, took place this week. Um, being able to get up, get up out of bed, walk a little bit, uh, talk, breathe on his own. So there's still a long road to recovery there for him. Um, but you know, definitely support, give him your prayers. Um, you know, there's a GoFundMe to help him out guys. If you can check that out, that would be amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so let's get into it, Ryan. I mean, I, I know uh, we've been talking throughout the week, and, and we're excited to talk about what has gone on in the baseball world. A lot of stuff over the last week, man. Um, a lot of trending topics. Uh, and I think maybe perhaps the biggest one that we need to hit on right out of the gate is in Cincinnati. Um, you know, there's always, you know, some some warmth underneath the seats of some of these managers, Um and man, the the fire is already uh, getting pretty hot right here in the early going as the Reds uh, fire their manager Brian Price uh, just a few weeks into the season. Man, uh, what what did you think whenever that news broke? You know, I've always disliked. I'll say uh, whenever teams do this, I, I think they knew that he was going to be. This was going to be his last year in Cincinnati. Um, you know, we're so early into the season. I understand they're off to a horrific start. Um, but I've just always hated whenever teams fire their manager two, three weeks into the season. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you know, why didn't they let this guy go in the off season? They knew that they weren't mm-hmm. going to make the playoffs this year. So, I mean, I, I, I don't fully understand it. They could have got themselves a full-time manager, a good manager in there in Cincinnati this year to start out the year. Um, so why they're doing it now kind of has me scratching my head, but you know, um, whenever you get off to a three and 15 start, stuff like this happens in sports. 
yeah, yeah. It was the worst, uh, worst start in the franchise history. Um, you know, Price, when you look at his overall record, he was there or he was going into his fifth year with the Reds. Uh, his overall record was 279 and 387. So not a great showing. Um, Jim Riggleman's going to take over in the interim manager. They did say that they are planning on looking at potentially hiring a full-time replacement later on in the year. Uh, but, I mean, can you really put much blame on Brian Price? I mean, they had a very young pitching staff. You know, the team ERA was at a 5.42, which is the worst in the majors. Um, I mean, outside of Joey Votto, there's not a lot of excitement, you know, there in Cincinnati. There's not a lot of guys that are just ready to carry that team yet, especially when you look at their run differential, negative uh, 46 on the year already. I mean, how much is on price and how much is just the personnel he had to work with? I would say 2080. I would say 20% of it is on Brian Price. I mean, um, and this kind of goes back to what I was just saying. I, I don't know what they really wanted from him. I mean, I hey, they want better than a 3-15 and 15 start. I, I get right. it. But you have to surround your manager with, manager with players that can win, right? And, and they haven't. And um, I, I just don't know what they wanted from him, honestly. I mean, he's off to a he was off to a terrible start, but I don't. I mean, did they think he was going to start out the season fifteen and three? <laughs> you know, because I don't think so. So, I mean, I, I just like I said, I, I disagree with it. Um, I don't disagree with them letting him go. I disagree of when they let him go. You know, they have right. um, their AAA manager Pat Kelly. He's going to move up to be the bench coach, and they have their Double A. Uh, pitching coach from Pensacola who's going to move up to be their uh, pitching coach. They're scrambling and they didn't have to, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's kind of my point is they didn't have to scramble to do all of this. They could have let him go after last year. They had a terrible year last year, so they knew it wasn't going to be much better this year. So why are they scrambling and calling up uh, managers from triple a and double a and doing all this nonsense? It, It doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, it, I mean, I think it shows that they just really are not sure of what direction they are heading in right now. And, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that Price is not going to be the last one that this happens to. You know, it's every year. There's going to be guys that come midseason, you know, the heat is on them to turn things around or they're going to be in the same situation. So it's definitely something we, we're going to keep our eye on as the season progresses and see what uh, other managers, you know, are in a spot where they might lose their job this season, you know, during the year. Um, it is odd, though. I want to, yeah. I want to say one other thing. Yeah, on yeah. This. It, it, it is odd that they're bringing up AAA and Double A managers. That you do not see very often in the middle of a season. I mean, you think about this. They just lost their their Triple A head coach. Right. I, I mean, a lot of people outside baseball might not think that's significant, but it is significant. I mean, uh, granted, you lost him, you lost him going to the majors, but not only are they without a full time manager on the major league level, now they're without a full time manager on the AAA level. So yeah, I mean, that's yeah, kind of and, shocking to me. But and I mean, whenever you're in a a rebuilding mode, you need those quality guys in your minor league system that's bringing those prospects along so that you can hopefully get that uh, talent at the major league sooner rather than later. So I'm in agreement with you. It is, you know, a situation um, and something to keep an eye on. I mean, 
I, I know we said it last week, uh, Ryan, that we feel like Joey Votto is one of those guys that deserves to get traded, you know, before the deadline, go somewhere where he has a chance to win because it's not going to be in Cincinnati anytime soon. No. So, so yeah, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, see how that progresses. Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe they turn it around. Maybe they go on a little run. You know, that happens from time to time when you make those manager changes, but I wouldn't expect it coming out of uh, – this uh, move here. I don't think this is one of those situations, Eric. But <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, another another big uh, thing that happened uh, this past week. We have seen a lot of games, especially in the in the central part of the country and in the eastern part of the country, that have been canceled, postponed, uh, whatever the case may be, because the weather's just been crazy to start. Uh, the year in those locations of the country um you know what was it like six seven games that were canceled on jackie robinson day Mm -hmm. uh, this past week um you know obviously nothing mlb can do about the weather but one of the more fascinating stories that came out of this was when the kansas city royals flew into toronto to start a series with the blue jays um so they got picked up by two two buses that were taking the team to their hotel room. Uh, the bus in front, some ice actually slipped off the top of their bus, hitting the windshield of the second bus, busting the windshield, sending shards of glass into the driver, cutting him up. He's bleeding everywhere. And relief pitcher Blaine Boyer did probably the most exciting thing he's going to do all year, and he jumped up you know, got to hold the steering wheel, got the pus over to the side of the road, got him stopped, got that uh, driver taken care of. Man, I mean, that's a crazy story, Ryan. Uh, you know, what What was uh, what were you thinking whenever you read about that? Well, hey, good for him. You know, um, it could have turned out a lot worse than what it did. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, because of his quick thinking, you know um, – it turned into not that serious of a situation, of course, besides the bus driver, which, you know, we're, we'll, we'll definitely be praying for him. And, you know, it's a pretty terrible situation. Uh, You know, the stadium was impacted by this and um, a piece of the roofing actually fell out. You know, it was pretty terrible situation and we're seeing a lot of bad weather. Uh, Cleveland um, last weekend had two of their games postponed due to bad weather. Um, so we're seeing a lot of late winter, uh, you know, kind of starting off this baseball season and it's not good for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people that's, uh, calling for MLB to maybe reconsider the start of the season. Like how, at least how they lay it out. Like maybe you look to have the majority of your series taking place in the South and in the and along the West coast um, and arrange those theories like that to try to avoid this stuff. But I mean, I don't know how feasible that is, but I mean, like you said, uh, a, a dome, it doesn't even guarantee you're going to get the, you know, it doesn't. And um, a lot of people could say, well, you know, all major league baseball stadiums should go to domes. I disagree with that. Baseball is oh, an outside sport. You know, um, I don't want to see that. And, um, you know, towards moving games out to the West and out to the South and stuff like that during the beginning parts of the year, that would make it 
very, very difficult on baseball because you would be talking about teams on the East Coast having a ton of away games to start out the season and then a ton of home games during the middle of the summer, towards the end of the summer, um, yep. which don't get me wrong, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of East teams would like that, but it's not really fair to baseball because you're talking about starting out your first, say, 14, 15 games on the road. Uh, you know, that's not fair to the East teams, and it's not fair to the West teams that all these teams on the East are going to get to finish out at home. So, um, you know, they'll never do that. Baseball's always adjusted to this. It's just a bad year this year. I'm sure it won't be as bad next year. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so, obviously, I, I've been saying a couple of things that uh, I saw that really caught my eye in trending topics. I know you had something uh, – that you wanted to hit on that is very near and dear to your hearts that included your team, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, talk to us about that. You know, uh, it's not even only about the Cleveland Indians. It's about uh, uh, Puerto Rico also. You know, um, the Minnesota Twins and Cleveland Indians played a two-game series in Puerto Rico um, to start off uh, this week. And, and I'm telling you guys, if you did not get a chance to watch it, you don't have to be an Indians or a Twins fan to enjoy what happened down there. It was absolutely amazing. I was so drawn to the crowd down there, the atmosphere. It was only 19,000 people, and I'm talking it was loud. You know, Francisco Lindor hit a home run, and they went insane. Uh, You know, um, the Twins had a couple of their players that were from Puerto Rico. The crowd was so into it. It was so fun. Puerto Rico put on a show down there. They wanted to let everyone know that they were back. Uh, you know, from this hurricane and that they were doing good things again. And let me tell you, it was a great showing. Uh, You know, the Indians and Twins did split the series. And the last game actually went to 16 innings, 16 (laughs) innings. I mean, you couldn't have you couldn't have pictured a better setting uh, for something like that to happen. It was absolutely insane. I'm telling you, whenever Francisco Lindor hit that home run, I had chills. It was, uh, you know, I had never heard a crowd go that loud before. It was just insane. They were chanting his name and everything. It was a very special moment for him. I'm sure something he'll never forget. And it was just a really cool thing. MLB is so great about doing stuff like this. I think they they went to Mexico a few years ago, I believe, Eric. You know, and they went to Puerto Rico this year. And, I I mean, MLB is better than any other organization almost in, in doing stuff like this. Yes, the NFL goes to London. And uh, the NBA plays um, games, you know, I believe they played a couple in Mexico City and stuff like that. So I think all all sports franchises are trying to get around to this. But, man, no one does it better in baseball. Yeah, well, because, I mean, here's the thing is that uh, with the exception of soccer, baseball is the most global sport, right? So Absolutely. you got – I mean, it, it, it is literally – worldwide so to let some of these guys like you know Lindor giving him a chance to go back home and perform and I mean just go and have fun I mean you know like you know Bryce Harper kind of had that last year with that whole let's make baseball fun again campaign mm-hmm. right and, absolutely and this, gives, this gives those guys a chance to go and do that and, and to do it in front of people that you know family members that don't get that chance to see them play right um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely awesome. I think uh, it's it's something that, you know, who knows, they may look to even add a little bit more to that because it, as long as the players enjoy it, 
there's not a problem with it. No, absolutely not. And, you know, another player I wanted to mention was uh, Jose Barreas from the Twins. Um, he is from uh, Puerto Rico also. And, you know, um, this is very interesting. Um, they actually gave him the choice, and this is completely true. They gave him the choice. They said, you can have the opening day start or you can have a start in Puerto Rico. Which one do you want? And he said, without hesitation, the Puerto Rico start. That's pretty incredible. Whenever you think about an opening day start, that's what every pitcher dreams of. And he chose this, uh, you know, his hometown, uh, uh, you know, right outside of his hometown in San Juan, Puerto Rico to start that game. And even though he pitched against my Indians and it hurts me, but man, he pitched phenomenally. <laughs> I mean, he pitched seven innings, only gave up three hits. He was outstanding. The crowd was into it. It was so neat to watch, man. It was so cool to watch. Yeah, that, that is awesome. It is awesome. Um, Another thing this week, Ryan, um, that I wanted to bring up, uh, how how big of a stud is George Springer of the Astros, man? Hit his third leadoff home run of the year. He's hit 20 since the start of 2016. That leads all of baseball. I, I have a particular soft spot in my heart for George Springer, and I'm going to tell you this story here in just a second. But seriously, how good – is this guy not only now, but how good can he be? Whew. I mean, that's a, that is a, a great question. How good can he be? Um, he could be one of the best players in Major League Baseball. I, I think he is one of the best ba- players right. in baseball. And, you know, his ceiling is – I don't know that there is a ceiling for him. You know, um, he is such a special player and – um especially at the leadoff spot, because you don't see that at the leadoff spot uh, very often anymore, right? I mean, whenever you think back at the 90s and, you know, how you had all those great Braves teams and all those great Indians teams and, you know, the Yankees towards the latter half, you know, man, you always had those strong leadoff hitters and you don't really see that too often anymore. And George Springer can do it by hitting the long ball too. So that's pretty special. I mean, there's no ceiling for him. Well, let, let me let me ask you this, Ryan, and tell me if I'm way off base. But by the time this is all said and done, can we put George Springer into the conversation with Ricky Henderson? No, no, oh. you can't. You can't because I mean, from, from, from offensive, you know, from from the just the purely leadoff hitting aspect of it. You know, I think it's too early to really to really compare him to someone like Ricky Henderson. But you know. um, I get your point there, but I don't think he can be just because, uh, I mean, stolen bases. I mean, that's what he's known for, right? And George Springer is never going to be there towards towards that. But, you know, and, and you got to also understand, I mean, how special is this guy? He's very special. But he's only hitting 228 right now, you know, uh, yeah. in, in 2018. So I think it's a little too early for that. You know, his uh, in his career, he's only hit 264. Um, you know, but he's already got a home, uh, hundred homers, you know? So whenever you compare the two, I don't really see the comparison in them two, but I see, I kind of see where you're going with it, but he's more of a power hitter. Yeah. But uh, really I'm kind of going more with the, you know, can he be that dynamic threat that, uh, Ricky was? Cause Ricky, he hit a lot of bombs from that leadoff spot a lot. You know? No, he yeah, he did. He did. I, I just don't see George Springer's bat being there um towards hitting, you know. Um well, 
let let me let me tell you let me tell you this story uh, real quick, Ryan, and let me and maybe you'll kind of understand why I have George Springer. So in 2013, I was able to go to the Texas League All Star Game. That's Double uh, A. Uh, it was in Northwest Arkansas, um, and George Springer at the time was leading the Texas League in home runs. All right, and we got there. There was a home run derby before the game. George Springer was a part of it. He didn't hit a single home run in that home run derby. Wow. But then he, he gets into the game, and he hits two home runs in the game. <laughs> so you're, you're talking about players, guys, who are clearly, clearly MLB talent. And George Springer was just head and shoulders above them all. I mean, he was a man playing among boys. You could look at him and just say – this guy is going to be a stud at the major league level. And so it's been exciting. As a matter of fact, Ryan, that ended up being his uh, last double-A game. He was called up to triple-A right after that all-star game, uh, which was pretty cool. Like we heard it on the radio going home that he had been promoted. Um, you know, it's just – it's pretty cool when you get a chance to see a guy um, – for me, you know, when we related back to Kansas City, you know, it was whenever I saw Alex Gordon playing the minors, right? Um, just certain guys that you see and you're just like, they are going to be something special. And then they get to the majors and they prove it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I pull for those guys, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I do too, you know? And I, I think for George Springer, like I said before, I'm in no way backing off what I said. You know, um, he has no ceiling. I'm still waiting for him, I think, to have that one big year and he's going to have it um you know he is 28 years old so he's not 23 24 like uh Lindor's and Correa's and stuff like that but you know I'm still waiting for him to put together that one uh that one big season and he's gonna have it and I think once he gets that one big season there's no stopping him because uh, you know baseball is a game of confidence uh anyone who's ever played the game will tell you that and once his confidence level is up there, he's not going to stop, and he's going to be terrific. Yeah, I, I honestly thought that he was going to come in and be a middle-of-the-order uh, guy, and to see him um, you know, settling into that leadoff role and performing well, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. Let me throw a number out there to you, Ryan, and, and, and force you on the spot here to make a bold prediction. And that number is – let's go with 10. Let's go with 10. Over under on on leadoff home runs this year for George Springer. Under. Under. All right. Under. All right. I mean, he's got he's got three in three weeks. I hear you. Under. Under. That would be pretty spectacular for him to right. hit ten. But you know what? Uh, more than anything for for George Springer right now, I want him to get on base, um, and that's something that he's going to focus on, I think. And that's why I say under, like I said, he's hitting 228. At some point he's got to stop trying to hit home runs and he's got to start trying to get on base. That's what he's at the leadoff position for. Um, So I'm hoping that he'll stop trying to hit home runs and he's going to start trying to get on base. And um, I think you're going to see that throughout the season. Um, If not, they're going to be forced to, to move him down the lineup. I think, Um, you know, which maybe that'll help him, right? Maybe maybe put him in the five six hole for a couple of weeks, let him get his rhythm back, and then swing him back to the one hole. So you know, I, I for me, I'm going to go under because I want to see him get on base. Okay, okay. I, hey, I'll, I'll take that. I'll go ahead and take the over just to 
just so one of us will be right. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want both of us to be wrong. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, so so the Astros, you know, a lot of really good talent on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, a lot of good talent that's uh, throwing that ball too, right? I know there's someone you wanted to talk about this week on the pitching staff of Houston. Yes, there is. I want to talk about Justin Verlander. This guy, man, I'll tell you what. Um, I have a lot of respect for Justin Verlander, first of all. Um, being a diehard Cleveland Indians fan, I have seen this man pitch so many games. It's unbelievable uh, with the Detroit Tigers. Right. Yeah, both, both of us. Both of us. Both I mean, of us. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those guys that you, you hate when you see him scheduled to go against your team, but you got to respect what he's done throughout his career. You got to respect what he's done. And like, I don't think people are talking about him enough. Uh, he has not lost a game since he's been in Houston, people. He is 9-0 and with a sub-2 uh, two ERA. Since he has been in Houston, going back to last year, including the playoffs, do the Houston Astros win the World Series without Justin Verlander last year? No, they do not. You know, he is I'm off this year to a 2-0 and start, 1.35 ERA, 34 strikeouts, and 26 innings pitch. The man is outstanding. And did I mention his jersey number is 35, which is also his age? He's doing this at 35 years old. I mean, it is outstanding. He's 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 phenomenal. He's he's gotten all of this energy and all this confidence back that he used to have in Detroit, but he lost it in Detroit, right? Because they kept losing, they kept losing. And now yeah. he's back on this winning team and and you know, going to the World Series and he's gotten all that confidence back, all that swagger back. And the man is one of he's back to being an elite pitcher. Uh, and, and I, I'm 100% excited for him. He's going to have a Cy Young caliber year this year, especially with that lineup. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Okay. Detroit's lineup did him no favors. Okay. Uh, he's in a, a stacked lineup going behind him, but does it really matter when you got a 1.35 ERA score two runs a game? You got to win. I mean, exactly. I mean, the guy is. Well, Ooh, he's pitching outstanding. Well, you know, the, the velocity's there. Um, like you said, he's late in his career, so he knows how to he knows how to pitch, not just reach back and throw the ball, right? He knows how to pitch. Um, you know, he's got a, a someone at home that he can impress, you know. <laughs> right, I mean, he should I'll, always I'll, have that swagger. Just say it like that, you know, because he should always have that swagger with his Sports Illustrated swimsuit wife. But right. well, I mean, we're we're married men, you know, so we're just we're gonna married, say he's yeah. got, you know, that he's got motivation, right? Um, but you know, I think something you brought up that right there that's interesting. You know, last week we talked about uh, Kluber probably being the leading candidate right now out of the gate for that Cy Young in the American League. How how tough is Verlander going to make winning that award on Kluber this year? Very tough. Very tough. You know, well, first of all, there's no short thing toward the Cy Young this year in the AL. You know, off I'll get off it, you know, for for the haters of him. I'll, what about Garrett Cole? <laughs> 2 and 0 this year for Houston. 0.96 ERA, 41 strikeouts in 28 innings. Who is Houston's pitching coach? Because I want him in Cleveland. I, I mean, when, when, 
whenever you go to Houston, you turn your career around and start pitching phenomenal, apparently. Well, I mean, like we said, their offense is extremely talented. Their pitching is stacked as well. Stacked, man. And, you know, those kind of arms around you, it makes life (laughs) a little bit easier as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and in the AL uh, towards the Cy Young, it's early, you know, but, you know, I do want to bring up those names because they deserve it. They deserve it right now. Chris Sell is once again pitching phenomenal. He's always going to be up there in the Cy Young, uh, you know, so you can't ever forget about him. Uh, you know, Matthew Boyd for Detroit is pitching very well this year. Uh, you know, 1.40 ERA. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's several players out there that are, are, are starting out really great this year, including a guy I mentioned earlier in Jose Barreras. I mean, he's pitching phenomenally this year. So, I mean, it's going to be a fun year in the AL towards pitching. That, oh. that I can tell you. And especially with all these teams hitting uh, trying to hit home runs, man, the strikeouts are just going to pile up and pile up. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that AL Cy Young race is going to be fun to watch. Um, let, let's, let's, uh, let's bring it around to our focus topic for this week because we're, you know, we're going to talk about the National League East. And whenever you're talking about starting pitching, there is a lot of it. In that division, there is a ton. So let, let's just start. And you start right at the top uh, with the team who, if the if the Red Sox weren't in the picture, this would be the team that everyone would be talking about, right? The New York Mets. We hit on them a little bit last week, but, you know, this week we're focused on just their division. So we got the opportunity to dive into some stuff uh, to really lay it out there. The Mets are sitting at 13 and 5 right now. Um, let me double check something here. Uh, um, oh, they are – so their game looks like it's still going in extra innings right now tied with the Braves. So – but, I mean, you're talking about a team that's on the verge of being 14-5 and five if they can pull this out. Um, and a lot of that has to do with those workhorses in the rotation, right? Yeah, it does. You know, but believe it or not, their pitching staff – their bats are really what's keeping this alive. I mean, yes, their pitching has been great this year, but it hasn't been outstanding. You know, uh, I would say Noah Syndergaard's been their their best pitcher so far this year, and he's barely got a subpar three-year uh, three RA, which, hey, is nothing to scratch about. But whenever we just mentioned all those players in the AL and all their ERAs, you know, a, three, a 3.0 ERA, you know, I mean – their bats are also keeping them alive, but yes, their pitching staff has been great. Yeah, I had a lot of um, hope, and, and, and it may be just kind of the guy that likes to pull for the underdog or, or the you know the the happy ending story. I was really hoping to see Matt Harvey really kind of bounce back and get back to being that dark night uh, there for the Mets, right? Um, and so far this year, it's still a little bit of a struggle for Harvey. What, what do you think? I mean, he's going into – he's in a contract year. Um, what do you think you we're going to see out of Matt Harvey going forward you know, as the weather warms up? I mean, well, can he get this thing turned around, I guess, and, and, and be that front-end guy for many seasons? I, you know what? I, I want to say yes, I do. Um, 
but no, I don't think he can. I, I think that it's going to take a lot of work from him. And, you know, I, I hate to bring it back to one game, but that game in the World Series against the Royals, it seems like ever since then, he's just never been himself, right? I mean, um, ever since then, he's just he's just been roughed up constantly. And I know Mickey, Wow, Mickey Calloway came out yesterday and said they're unsure what they're going to do with him. You know, um, he's just in order for the Mets to stay on top, they have to have at least four pitchers that can really do things in that division. And they have a weak spot right now. And uh, that is Matt Harvey. So it, it's hard for me to sit here and say, yes, he can turn it around because I'm not sure that he can at this point. But I mean, you never know. Once again, I'll say I think that's a, it's the third time I've said it on this show. Confidence is everything in baseball everything and he just has none right now and that's a problem for him well you know if there's one thing that the royals are good at it is causing pitchers careers to unravel whether it's their own or someone else so can't hate on it can't hate on it right now you you stay in your lane you know i mean that's basically what it is you stay in your lane but like you said man that offense um is is really just carrying the mets and honestly i mean from where I was looking at it, I'm very surprised because, I mean, when we were in the offseason and, and we were getting ready to start spring training, I just, uh, you know, I assumed, hey, the Nationals are going to roll in the National League East, right? And uh-huh. they must have some nice pieces, but not a legitimate contender, on the, you know, as far as the lineup's concerned. But they are proving me wrong. Uh, and, and I think they're proving a lot of people wrong. I don't think there's a lot of people that were, you know, expecting uh, their offense to be this good. No, I mean, look at Todd Frazier. Did anyone really think Todd Frazier is going to come out here and start the year out uh, hitting 300? No. The guy is a classic 200 hitter uh, and hits 30 bombs a year. The guy is playing great this year. He's came off, what, three or four bad years in a row, and now he's playing outstanding. You know, the one key piece to this, Estrubal Cabrera, uh, the forgotten shortstop, Estrubal Cabrera. He's hitting 343 so far this year. He's having an outstanding year, the ex uh, ex Indian. You know, um, four home runs, nine RBIs to start off the year. That's very productive for him, you know. So um, there's a lot of pieces that are, are going right for them right now. And, you know, on the pitching staff, kind of what I wanted uh, to point out, you know, you have Noah Syndergaard at a 2.5 ERA. Uh, DeGrom's at a 3.24. Uh, and Max is at a 4.42. And, and Harvey's at a 6. You know, so their pitching staff is not really carrying them so much like we thought. Uh, you know, I think we talked about it last week with their pitching staff. You know, um, they're going to need to improve if they're going to uh, to win this division because make no mistake about it, the Washington Nationals will be coming for them, and it's going to be soon. And if their pitching staff does not start stepping it up, their bats aren't going to be able to ke- carry them to the playoffs. So th- their pitching staff really needs to step up. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that. I mean, there's just t- so much talent in that rotation that, I mean – Yes, I agree with you. You know, maybe we've seen the best days of Matt Harvey, but the rest of those guys, man, I mean, you got young, young, talented, can just throw the ball. And when, I mean, there's a lot to be said, like, 
whenever you can throw that hard, whenever you can just rear back and just let it go. Yes, you got to be able to place it. You got to be able to work in your off speed, especially when you get to the playoffs. But there's not a lot of guys that can keep up with uh, triple digit heat. So no, I can bring it. And don't forget about their closer, Familia, either, who's having a terrific year so far. It's early, but a terrific year. He's pitched in 10 games, got eight se- or seven saves, and hasn't even given up a run yet. So, um, I mean, he is pitching outstanding. So, um, you know, he could be a key piece. Definitely, definitely. Uh, let's let's go to the bottom of the division real quick because I don't think there's much that we're going to really say here. But let's make I want to make sure that we do hit on them. You know, like we said, the Mets sitting at 13 and 5. Down in Miami, you've got a team with the opposite going on. They have five wins, 13 losses. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week. It's going to be a long year in Miami. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, they made the deal uh, with the Yankees to send Stanton uh, to New York offseason, getting Starlin Castro back in the deal. Do we expect Castro to be traded before the deadline this year? Because I personally think there's no reason for that team to hold on to. There's no reason for them to hold on to them to him but I think that they might just so they they can get more than 15 people to show up to the games um you know they have to keep someone there of of relevance that people know in order to sell tickets and you know if they go to an all triple a team which they pretty much are right now you know um no one is going to show up to the games and I don't know if any of you guys out there have watched Miami Marlins game this year but it is pretty ugly to watch I mean there are there's no one in the stands no one and they have to sell tickets so it I think that they'll hang on to them just for that reason I mean they have to bring people to the ballpark and whenever your your player Starling Castro to get people to the ballpark that's not good news for you to begin with um but um you know I, I don't really see them trading him but who knows I mean Derek Jeter is I understand what he's trying to do, but, man, he is killing this franchise right now. Yeah, it's definitely rough. So, uh, I don't know. I, I wish I could tell Miami fans something positive. I can. Let me, I mean, tell, let me tell the Marlins fans one thing that's very confident. Uh, you know, uh, his name is Jarlin Garcia. Um, he is off to maybe one of the best I and this is so weird coming out of my mouth. I'm stuttering saying it. You know, um, he's off to maybe one of the best starts in baseball this year as a pitcher. You know, <laughs> you're talking about a pitcher for the Miami Marlins having a point eight eight six ERA. I what? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, right? Uh, I mean, the guy is pitching very well, and we're not talking about one game. I mean, he's pitched four games this year, and yeah. he's got a .86 ERA, 1-0. You know, uh, look out for him. He He's very young. You know, he's 25 years old. He he He's a lefty. He He's very strong, you know. So, I'm trying. I'm trying, Eric. I'm trying, man. I, I'm trying. Here's the thing. Whenever you're – when you're you're in a full blown rebuild, you've got to find those pieces that you can say, okay, these are the guys we can build around, and you know at least maybe they've got one of those. So yeah, I think you're you're positive there. Now, whenever you look at a couple other young teams in this division, um, specifically talking about Atlanta and Philadelphia, 
you know, these are got teams that are playing with a lot of young players as well. And they are sitting right behind the Mets at an 11 and seven record. They're both tied. Um, I mean, you know, Philadelphia magic, you know, maybe that you can attribute some of that to, uh, to what's going on there with the Phillies, but the Braves are kind of surprising. I mean, they are, you know, we talked about last week, we feel like they're legitimately a year or two away at best. Um, but they are finding ways to win early and, and making this division very interesting. Oh my gosh. I, I don't, I don't even know what to say about the Braves. I mean, are they for real? I, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, they're playing like it. I mean, they're playing like it. And yes, folks, it's early in the year. I get it. I believe full-heartedly that if the Mets staff does not pick it up, the, the Nationals will end up running away with this. Okay, so I'm not making any crazy predictions right now. But the Braves are playing outstanding. I mean, look at Dansby Swanson. He's hitting 352 this year, Eric. Flaherty hitting 352. Yep. Albias hitting 316. Freddie Freeman hitting over 300. Nick Markakis is at 300. Tucker is right there almost at 300. I mean, these bats are for real. This well, pitching staff is for real. Like, I, I, maybe we're wrong. Maybe this maybe this is a wild card type year for the Braves. I don't know. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't rule anything out, Ryan. That's the big thing there. But I do think eventually that Braves team is going to, you know, kind of settle back into what we really expected it to be. Um, I think they can finish maybe above expectations, but what they're doing right now is they are playing games and playing at a level that is instilling confidence in them. We've seen this over the past six, seven years, right? We've seen the Royals, you know, turn their franchise around with young guys. We've seen the Cubs, we've seen the Astros, and this is a very important step of taking a, a franchise that was in a rough spot and, and making them into championship level players and, and that some you know a team that can go out and contend for a World Series title is you've got to have those stretches where you guys are just playing and you're building that confidence so that whenever you do fall back to what um, you know the, the, the mean, you don't lose that confidence. You know, you know, okay, we can play and we can be in this thing. We're just you know, in a rough stretch right now because we've seen it where a team hits a rough stretch and the bottom just really falls out, right? And mm-hmm. so what's going on in Atlanta right now, it, it, even if they are not in the playoff picture come September, it's still very, very important what they're doing right now out of the gate. Yes, it is. And, you know, um, it's I'm so torn on the Braves because I believe in them. I'm I'm one of those people who believe in them this year. You know, um, I actually took the time to watch a couple of their games this week and um, they're they're a very good young baseball team. And um, it's going to be intriguing to see if they can keep this pace up. Um yeah. You know, it's it's too early in the year. It's too early in the year. It hit me up in midseason. I'll make a bold prediction if they're still where they're at right now. If they're where they're at right now, it's going to be very interesting to see, okay, do we try to accelerate this thing? And do we go and try to add in some pieces before the deadline 
to really absolutely absolutely they will but that's the problem right and this is the interesting part of baseball they have all of this young talent that's gotten them there so are you willing to lose pieces to push it all on one year so that's going to be the interesting part come trade deadline if they're able to keep this pace up be in second third hunting for first you know uh, a couple pieces away are they willing to trade away some talent to be able to make a push in 2018 that's going to be the interesting thing to see. It's a chess game, right? It's it's really a chess game, and you have to know when can I be aggressive, when can I, when can I cash in some of these assets in order to push my team over the over the line, right, over that hump. Because um, if you do it too early, then you've you've handcuffed yourself, right? You you thought, okay, let let's go in for it, trade assets, and it wasn't the right time. So it's not a situation that I would be envious of to be at the GM with a team that is on the rise because you want to win, but you need to win in the right timing, right? And so that, yeah. that brings us to Philadelphia. I mean, as much good, awesome sports vibes that are going on in Philadelphia this year, right, with the Eagles winning their first with Villanova, um, with the Sixers, you know, turning that thing around with the process. You got the Phillies. They're like, hey, we want to be part of the party as well, right? And, I mean, I just – I don't think anyone expect. I, I, like I said last week, I figured they were going to be the fourth team in the division. But mm-hmm. so far out of the gate, they're like, hey, we're here to try to win this division, right? Uh, they are. And um, this is the team that I think you're going to see fizzle off. Um, their pitching staff is what's keeping them alive right now. You know, uh, Nola, Paveda, uh, Vasquez, you know, these are the guys um, that are, are keeping them alive right now. They're batting. Um, you know, their hitting's not outstanding so far this year. You know, you have Ryan Hoskins, who's going to be a star. Um, you know, um, Herrera's hitting uh, – outstanding start out the year but you know they went out and got carlos santana to be that that power guy and he is absolutely struggling this year now any cleveland indians fan knows one thing about carlos santana he is a notorious slow starter always been always will be a slow starter but he is going to really have to pick it up if they're going to do anything in this division, which I don't think they're going to. Um, but, you know, this is the team that I think you see fizzle off. And I agree with you. And, and that, you know, that signing of Carlos Santana in the offseason, it was a bit of a head-scratcher, to be honest with you. Um, $20 million a year. That, that's I, a huge head-scratcher. I don't think anyone really saw it coming, could predict it. And – I mean, you just got to ask yourself, you know, what did the Phillies front office see there that said, hey, this is the right move that we need to make for the way this team is constructed right now? Because I get it. I get I get that he could be a important piece to a team that is definitely going to contend. But Philadelphia was not in that group, you know, especially when they gave out that contract. And then when you look at the the way the offseason played out and the repressed contracts, right? You got you know you got to second guess it a little and be like, hey, if you guys 
would have just waited, you probably could have even got him, you know, significantly less. Yes, and I know what they saw in him. They saw the same thing that the Indians saw in him for years, and that the man has a great eye. He has a great eye at the box. You know, um, he struck out less than 100 times in the last two seasons, and that's with almost 600 at-bats. I mean, that's pretty impressive nowadays in baseball. He walks a ton. He walks a ton. So uh, he, he has power, you know, in 2016 – 30 home run season last year, 20 home run season. He's going to give you 80, 80, 90 RBIs a year. He's going to hit 260. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of positives in that. And, you know, I, I could see that I, I believe, I don't want to talk out of my butt here, but I'm pretty sure the Indians offered him 14 million. I'm pretty sure that's what they offered him. And then the Phillies went up to 20. Obviously, the Indians weren't going to match that because he's not a $20 million a year player. Think about this for a second. Edwin Encarcion for the Indians makes $20 million a year. Carlos Santana makes as much as Edwin does. How that makes sense to anyone is beyond me. But, hey, Carlos, I I, I applaud you. If you can make $20 million a year, go do it, son. Definitely. And money talks. And um, another signing I want to talk about, circle back to Atlanta for just a brief second here. So Atlanta goes out and signs Joey Bats this week to a minor league deal. And not only did they sign Jose Batista to a minor league deal, then it comes out that they are saying, hey, we think that he might could play third base. And, and, and come and be able to come up and play third base for us. The man hasn't played third base in years. And even when he did, I mean, he wasn't amazing, right? So I, that's another one of those head scratching moves because you got to look at it and say, hey, you know, a guy like Mike Moustakis was out there available on the market up until basically like a, almost a week before the season was set to start, right? Mm-hmm. And he signs a $7 million deal to play this year. You know, the Braves, if they thought we need a third baseman, why wouldn't you have went and signed someone like Moustakis who was coming off a career year at the plate, and instead you wait three weeks into the season and you sign Jose Batista? I, I don't I, I don't get it at all. I mean, um, yes, it's to a minor league deal, and I, they're, they signed him in the off chance he does something good this year. Uh, he hit 203 last year, Eric. Um, there's not much upside to him. He is at the end of his career, probably already been there. You know what I mean? So um, I've never really liked Bautista. I've always thought he was kind of arrogant. And, uh, you know, but that's not what teams necessarily look at. So I'll get off my soapbox for that. But, you know, um, I, I don't really see the upside in this move at all. And you're 100% correct. Uh, if you're looking for a third baseman, because it is a soft spot in their lineup, uh, so I get them looking for one. But you're talking about Mike Moustakis, which we're not on the AL Central. But whenever we get to the AL Central, I'm going to show a lot of love to your Royals. Because, yes, they are off to a bad start. But Moustakis is playing very well. <laughs> and Junis yes. is playing very well. You know, so there's a lot of upside to the Royals. So, you know, but we're well, not talking about the AL Central right now. You know, I am very 
<coughs> interested in why they did not. That's a very, very good point, Eric. I do not understand why, if they were looking for a third baseman, they did not go pick up Mike Moustakis at a very discounted price, in my opinion. Um, that doesn't really make any sense to me. Well, let's let's talk about the the final team that we have yet to hit on because uh, we've got you know some guys with you know we got one guy in particular that when we're talking about these contracts that all eyes are on right now. So you know, obviously, we're talking about the Washington Nationals, and we are talking about Bryce Harper. So first of all, the Nationals, you know, they're in a spot where we didn't. I don't think anyone expected them to be right now. Three weeks into the season, they are playing. Sub five hundred ball. I mean, they're at nine and ten, so they could easily turn that around. Um, but it is not the start that you need your team to be off to, especially whenever you're hoping to keep your franchise player, you know, in your lineup beyond this year. Because Bryce Harper, like we said last week, he definitely knows that it's his contract year. He is, you know, just playing ridiculous at the plate, right? I mean, you know, I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. He may be seeing the ball and, and doing stuff at the plate that we haven't necessarily seen since Barry Bonds. I mean, true, the batting average isn't amazing. It's at 288, which is still much better than a lot of players, but he's leading the league in home runs with eight right now. He is also walked 24 times already. I mean, that, like I said, my mind just always goes back to Barry Bonds right now because back you know, in his prime, you weren't getting Barry out. He was walking or he was hitting home runs. I mean, that was kind of how it was. He was seeing the ball better than anyone. And Bryce Harper is doing something very, very similar right now. But unfortunately for the Nationals, his performance isn't converting over into wins, right? So they've got to be a little bit nervous of, you know, I think everyone's assuming he's going elsewhere anyway. But is he just – are they just making certain of that at this point? You know, I can't answer that. But, you know, on the walks, I do want to point this out because I'm sure there's – you mentioned Barry Bonds with him, right? And I'm going to tell you why this is more special than Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds got intentionally walked almost as much as he had a home run, okay? <laughs> Out of his 24 walks this year, Bryce Harper's only been intentionally walked twice. Um, you know – he is seeing the ball so much better than in years past. Look at last year. Yes, he only played in 111 games last year, but he only he had 68 walks all of last year, Eric. He's already got 24 this year through 19 games. He's yeah, averaging yeah. more than a walk a game. I mean, so yes, he is seeing the ball tremendous. And yes, his in my opinion, his 288 batting average is like having a three. 20 average for him you know what I mean um so a 288 is not a problem at all his power is there and he's seen the ball better than he's ever seen it before so this is going to be scary and I am not worried about the Nationals at all I said this in our first podcast and I'll say it again the goal in April is to stay 500 or better that's always your goal in April. So if the if the Nationals can have a strong push at the end of this month, they have successfully hit their goal. The only thing you don't want to do in April, any ball club will tell you this, is dig yourself in a hole. That's the only thing you don't want to do in April. Stay at 500 or better in April, dominate the rest of the year, you're good to go. You know, so they're they're right where they need to be. You know, they 
would I like to see them above 500? Yes. Is Atlanta and the Mets, are they playing well? Yes. You know, but if, if I were a betting man, I would still say that the Nationals are probably going to run away with this. Now, the Mets, I think, will make a push for this. But I think the the Nationals will run away with this. I, man, I don't know if I can go quite that far with you. I think that Washington in the end is going to be on top of the standings um, in the National League East. I don't know that it'll be them running away with it, though. Uh, now, one thing I will say um, briefly on, on Harper is like, it's not even fair for pitchers right now, right? I mean, the guy this week took a broken bat and dropped the ball more than 400 feet <laughs> over the wall. I mean, well, you can't – what what's a pitcher supposed to do? I mean, you you break the guy's bat and he's still rounding the bases. I mean that that's not even fair, right? Um, but back to the point of, of Washington being on top of the NL East, the one I think huge factor at this point for them is the guy that they've got leading that pitching staff, right? Uh, Max Scherzer. What kind of? I mean, he's off to a great year as well. I mean, it, only being overshadowed because of the, of like the historic start that uh, Harper's having, right? Yes, he is. And you, you know, Max Scherzer is, I I would say top top five, absolutely uh, best pitchers in baseball. Uh, you know, he is just he's so outstanding. He's a strikeout specialist. He's always going to give you those seven innings. He's always going to give you a lot of strikeouts. He's going to give you a lot of effort. And um, he he's going to be a star for them for a long time to come. And he is helping them stay alive right now. He's actually in a matchup against none other than Clayton Kershaw tonight, which is an incredible. Uh, you know, I believe they said it was – one of the first times uh, three times uh, Cy Young winners have gone up against each other. So that's pretty incredible. It's the the first time in Major League history in the regular season that two three-time winners face Mm -hmm. each other. And and Bryce Harper's won uh, once tonight, by the way, and uh, like you were just talking about him, he's had an RBI tonight, and he's also been struck out by Clayton Kershaw. So tied for that. But anyways, you know, yes, Matt Scherzer has – has been outstanding. He's going to continue to be outstanding. He's going to be one of the best pitchers, maybe winning the the Cy Young again this year um, with um, Kershaw kind of starting off kind of rough this year. Um, so, you know, uh, but don't forget about Gio Gonzalez, you know. I mean, he's having a really fantastic year this year too. Um, he's got a sub-2-5 ERA, and, you know, he's striking out people left and right. You know, Strasburg is being Strasburg. <laughs> you know, we always – I think we expect a little bit too much from him, but, um, you know, he, he's having a a very good year this year too. And, you know, as I'm going through this lineup or or this pitching staff, man, you know, Tanner Roark's got a 3.24 ERA, you know, it's kind of mind boggling to me why they're nine and 10 right now, you know, um, especially with Bryce Harper hitting their pitching staffs, pitching well, their bullpen's questionable, but you know, it's, and this all leads back to me, you know, going, with what I'm saying towards them at some point in the, in during the season, uh, possibly running away with this because they're doing all the right things. Right. I mean, there's no terrible spot in their lineup right now. So, I mean, eventually you're going to see them, you know, Zimmerman's got to pick it up. I mean, he's hitting 161 so far, you know, so he's got to pick it up. There's a couple other guys that have to pick it up, but man, they're going to be strong. 
they're going to be really strong as they always are. Oh, yeah. They're going to find their groove, and they're going to settle in. I do want to kind of talk just a little bit more about uh, this matchup between Scherzer and Kershaw that's going on tonight, right? So when we look at Scherzer, he's he's off to a 1.33 ERA, you know, a ma- 38 strikeouts. You know, like you said, he's going to be in that mix for the Cy Young in the National League. I think it's going to be come down to him and the guy he's facing tonight. And Kershaw, like you said, Kershaw, you know, he's got a 1-2 and two record, but he's got a 1.73 ERA on the year, and he's not far behind Scherzer with 31 strikeouts. So he's He's still being Clayton Kershaw, right? Um, I mean, I think this game tonight is is very fascinating because you've got the two best pitchers, in my opinion, in the National League going at it. And it's going to be a fun uh, competition for that Cy Young Award to watch as the rest of the season plays out. Yes, it is. And whenever I say a rough start, or rough start for Kershaw, I mean wins losses. You know, usually you're going to see him at three and zero at this point in the year. So, um, you know, his team's just not helping him out too much. They're not helping him out tonight either. But that's saying something against who they're going up against. You know, <laughs> and Max Scherzer. You know, so um, not only that, but Scherzer stole a base this past week. He did, right? I mean, he stole a base. what can he do? What can't he do? He can't, uh, you know, he's he's just so outstanding. And, and let me ask you something. Wouldn't it be hard to be a hitter up there with Max Scherzer having two different colored eyes? I think that'd be weird, Eric. Uh, I think that's something to his success. I think, you know, I think I would uh, wear the sunglasses no matter if it's a day or night <laughs> <laughs> Just try to block that out. Uh, I, th- I think the fact that you're stepping in against Max Scherzer, period, you know, has you a That's little scary nervous. enough. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, yeah. I mean, whenever he is <laughs> on, there's not many people that can touch him. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Same thing for Kershaw. I mean, you know, yes, the wins and losses there, you know, aren't where you would expect it to be for Kershaw. But like you said, wins and losses honestly are kind of out of the control of the pitcher. Uh, so they are. These two are going to make for a very, very exciting Cy Young run in the National League. Like I said, you know, like we talked about, there's a lot of guys in the American League that could be in that mix, right? But when we're looking at the National League, we're looking at these two men specifically. Yes, you are. I think in the long run, yes, you are. You know, there are a couple other pitchers that are off to, to pretty good starts this year, but in the end, it's probably them that you'll see. You know, uh, Johnny Cueto's off to a really great start this year. Um, you know, <clears throat> through 20 innings pitch, the man's got a .45 ERA. So, I mean, he's off to a terrific start. And Cueto could be that surprise, that dark horse, you know. And people forget about Cueto. You know, right. he is a top-notch pitcher, you know. So, I mean, he could be a dark horse in this. Uh, you know, obviously he's not going to have a point four five ERA at the end of the year. But if he can, he can keep it low and he can get some wins over in San Francisco, he could be a dark horse in this. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, so do this for me, Ryan. Let's uh, – Let's throw out there where we think the uh, the when we look at the standings for the National League East at the end of the year. Where, how do you have them ranked out? Where, how are these teams going to finish at the end of the season? You want me to go through just, where I think the division is going to be at the end of the year? Yeah, just get well. I mean, you know, don't worry about wins, losses, all that. But just, just give me your your 
one through five. You know, how, how are, what's the order they're going to finish in? One through five. I'm going to go Washington at one, the New York Mets at two, Atlanta at three, Philadelphia at four, Miami at five. All right. I'm, I'm almost there with you. However. Ooh, I want to hear this. I'm going to believe that we are not seeing a fluke out of the Mets, and I'm going to put the Mets in first place winning cool. with Washington. Bold prediction. I mean, they, they've convinced me, I think. Like, I don't think it's just them getting lucky. Like, I think they can legitimately play ball. I think they've come together as a squad very quickly, even with adding in guys like Frazier. Um, and that's huge. That is so big whenever you guys – when you got, you know, 25 men that are playing and having fun and, you know, just going out there and, and using the skills that they have. Because, obviously, anyone at the major league level, they're there for a reason, right? So, I think, I, think they can, I think they can take this thing. Now, I'm not saying they're going to run away with it. I'm not saying that it's not going to be close because, honestly, it could be one game that decides it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to put the Mets – in first, win the division. I'm gonna put the Nationals in second place, which is gonna bring up a very interesting spot for them. Is of can they be one of those two wildcard teams? I'm gonna say yes, they will be one of the two wildcard teams. But it's it's gonna be tight because once we get to the National League West, you know, like I said last week, there are several teams there that's gonna be pushing for those wild card spots. So I think that's something that Washington is gonna on their way and make sure that they earn that. Uh, but then I'm, I'm with you. The Braves, um, they're just better. Yeah. I mean, I think they just are. And Philly's going to come back down to where they should be. So third, the Phillies fourth, and Miami fifth. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be fun uh, to watch the National League East. Like I said, the, you know, like we talked about, the, the pitching there is one maybe one of the best pitching uh, divisions in baseball. So it's going to be something fun to watch. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. you have anything that you want to add in before we get uh, wrap up this uh, National League East talk? No, I mean, I agree with you on the pitching staff. I mean, heck, even Miami Marlins have an ace to start off this year. You know, you have that one pitcher from every team in this division that is pitching well three weeks into the season. Um, so, I, I, you know, they are one of the more powerful pitching divisions in baseball. So, you know, and pitching wins baseball games. So, hey, you know, uh, the Mets have a four-and-a-half game lead right now early in the season. That's a pretty significant lead this early in the year. Um, you know, um, now that can turn very quickly in baseball. But, you know, I, I can see what you're saying. I can dig it. You know, um, I'm sticking with my picks, but, you know, I get what you're saying. I think it's a. I think it's a, a very solid prediction. I mean, there's yeah, there's so much talent in Washington that you could never count them out, and they could rip off you know a twenty game win streak at any time, and we wouldn't be surprised with it, right? Well, um, I don't know about twenty games, but <laughs> would, would, you, would you be surprised if they did? I mean, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, you, you're talking about. I, I'm, I'm talking to a Cleveland fan right now that saw Cleveland you know, put up an um, amazing win streak not too long yeah, ago, right? 20, 22 games, no big deal, no big deal. So, no you big... know, uh, you got to have a lot of talent uh, to put up a win streak like that. 
Uh, but as Jason Kipnis said it best, you got to have a heck of a lot of luck too. But I do get what you're saying. I mean, um, yes, this is a team that can run off 10, 15 wins in a row easily, especially with their pitching staff and their lineup. Um, yes, they can. They're going to at some point this year. Can the Mets withhold it? That's going to be the question. So, all right, we'll we'll see in September. Right. Yeah. Washington is one of those teams uh, that's, you know, the, the select ham few that's just got so much talent that they could put up a winning, you know, a high total winning streak Absolutely. this year. Absolutely. So, all right, Ryan, let's, uh, we're going to do something uh, different and, and hopefully it won't be the last time that we do this. Uh, but just real quick, we've got a Twitter topic that was sent in to us this week. Um, you know, we've got, uh, a guy here who has really supported the the show kind of coming out and, and we we appreciate all you guys who have you know really just you know shown us love helped get this thing off the ground uh but we got a message from in the, the his twitter handle is i am underscore nate dog right we got we got a, a message from this week he wanted us to address the potential pace of play um the, the, the potential pace of play changes that major league baseball has been looking at and actually kind of uh, testing out in the minor leagues. Right. So you've got the pitching clock, you've got them trying out with uh let's put a runner on base. Once we get to extra innings, trying to shorten these things up. Um, what, 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 what's your thoughts on pace of play? Well, first of all, thank you, Nate dog for the question. And I, I spoke a little bit about this um, last week, I believe. Um, I'm okay with them going in between innings and putting a time clock on it. I'm okay with the amount of visits that are allowed because I don't even think it's been close this year. I don't think anyone's even came close to reaching it. Um, you know, so it was a pretty wide margin in what they did. I think it's six, right, that you're allowed. Um, so if you go over six, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so I'm, I'm all for it. I do think that there's um, injury risk in this. Um, you know, uh, Trevor Bauer earlier in the year, um, you know, spoke up about it. You know, he only got two minutes to warm up in 30-degree weather. For a pitcher throwing 100 miles an hour, that's pretty hard to do, Eric. You know, so um, there's a lot of injury risk to it. But um, I've never been a fan of – trying to shorten the games for other people's benefits. Um, you know, I think it should be a player friendly game. Um, you know, so I think we should be doing what they need to have done, but I'm okay with them, uh, setting it at, you know, a little over two minutes, I guess. Um, it makes the game more appealing for other fans, you know? So, um, it is what it is. Uh, the players will learn to adjust, but my biggest thing with it is the injury risk. Okay, okay. I, and I can respect what you're saying, Ryan, but I'm going to give my my side of it here. Um, and I, I thought the points that you made, you know, were very strong, you know, definitely, you know, worth acknowledging. But I'm going to go the opposite way. I, I, I'm not a fan of it. You know, call me a purist, whatever you want to say about it. I, I don't think that the game needs to be messed with. I mean, there is a reason why it's, America's pastime. There's a reason why people that are full blown fans fall in love so deeply with this game, right? Um, 
whenever you start changing it, I, I mean, I get stuff that can that actually, you know, like instant replay, for example, right? I I'm not going to argue against instant replay because it's given the ability to get the right call in times when it needs it, right? But do we need a do we need a clock on a pitcher? I I don't think so. I mean, some guys work really quick, right? Some guys, you know, they take a little bit longer, but they the thing is. Actually, look at it close. They're consistent, right? So it's not. I don't feel like it really drags it out. Um, but like you know, some of these other moves that uh, that they're looking at, like you know, the idea of putting a player on second base and to start off the inning, if in an extra inning ball game, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And then you've got. Um, so I read this other tweet, and I did not put uh, write down the who sent it out, uh, but. They were making some very good points on this tweet, right? They were talking about just kind of stuff all across baseball, right? That was kind of, and, and they were talking about pace of play, but they were also talking about, you know, like regional blackout rules, right? They were talking about um, – well, one thing that happened this week, right, is Pitching Ninja getting his Twitter account shut down because MLB got upset saying, oh, hey, you know, you're using our copyrighted material, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know about Pitching Ninja, right, Ryan? I don't. Okay, so Pitching Ninja, um, he, he was a guy that would take clips, you know, make gifts out of just filthy pitches, right? You know, breaking sliders, curveballs, all this stuff, and would, you know, just talk about, hey, this is what the guy's doing. This is how, you know, just look at how nasty this is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and so the MLB, they had an issue with him, you know, with those gifts and stuff that he was making, saying, hey, that's our copyright material, blah, 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 blah. And his account is shut down. And now you've got major league pitchers, that are going to their social media and saying, hey, bring back Pitching Ninja, okay? And, and I'm not saying that I was a big fan, but, I mean, it, the stuff that he was putting out was definitely interesting, you know, and whenever I had time, I would look at it. But, I mean, it's stuff like that, man, that, like, you know, MLB needs to maybe just relax a little bit because all that guy was doing was giving you free advertisement, <laughs> you know? I mean, he was, you know, he was popular – um, and I'm not going to go on a rant, but I mean, it all ties in together, you know, hard caps on draft spending. Uh, you know, if you're not going to have a hard cap, you know, why do we need a hard cap there? You know, let, let teams spend their money. Um, and, then, and, and when, in regards to that, let's even talk about the pay of minor league players, right? They, they make next to nothing. Um, and it's because of the rules that are in place. I think you just – I guess my, what I'm trying to get at, Ryan, is that we need to just keep the game pure. We need to understand what makes this game so special and why the true fans are so devoted to it. And it just let's, let's not change something unless there's actually a problem. I don't think well, there's a problem with that with the pace of play. I can't let you finish on that uh, because this is the reason why. I – am just like you, Eric. I believe in the game of baseball, and I love it just the way it is. I I truly do. But Rob Manfred said it best today whenever, uh, I believe it was Rizzo, who came out and said, we need to play fewer games. We need to play fewer games. There's too many games. So you have players in baseball now vying to change it. And Rob Manfred told him what I would say to him, too. You want to play less games, that's fine, but you're going to make less money. 
you know, that all goes back into them. The only reason why I understand them doing it, trying to make it shorter on the players. Like I said, if it's in the player's best interest, I'm for it. But if it's not in the player's best interest, I'm not for it. If these players like Rizzo, this young generation, I'm not going to get into a big spill on that either because I don't think he's been in the majors long enough to be complaining like that. But, you know, um, if you're going to complain that you're playing too many games, don't complain whenever your paycheck is significantly lower. You know, would you rather have a couple minutes in between innings and get paid, uh, you know, what you're getting paid? Or would you rather go down to 140-something games and get paid millions of dollars less? That's a decision that they have to make. As a fan, I would love to see it the way it's always been. With the exception of instant replay, I'm right there with you. Instant replay is something that baseball needs. But other than that, I would love to see it played pure in, in the way it was meant to be played. But that's all I have to say about that. And thank you for the question, Nate Dog. Yes, th- thanks, Nate. And, Ryan, I can go there with – that is something that I can go there with you on is if there is a issue that – you know, spread out among the players, then yes, let's address it. Let's make sure because if these guys are having a problem, if they're getting hurt because of something that's going on, that affects the product on the field. And I want to see a good product. So I can definitely go there with you. Um, so yeah, once again, I am underscore Nate Dog. Thanks for sending that topic in. If you guys want to get your Twitter topic on a future show, then hey, do us a favor, go on to Twitter uh, and follow us at out of the pen underscore TS that is at out of the pen underscore TS for track stars sports and, and give us a follow and send in those topics. We want to hear from you. And on top of that, we want to interact with you, right? We will, we want to have a conversation. So follow us there, follow, follow track star sports. It's at track stars sport. So it's track stars with a Z sport without an S it's just sport, right? So track stars sport, um, find, find us on social media, talk with us, interact. Um, you know, you can hit us up at the show's account, like we said, but you can also find us on our own Twitter handles. Uh, Ryan, you want to give the, the listeners your, uh, Twitter handle so they know how to get in contact with you, bud. Absolutely. It's going to be at Ryan underscore 22 at Ryan underscore 22 on Twitter. And also check out my orange is the new Brown podcast <laughs> talking with the Cleveland Browns on uh, track star sport. Of course. Of course we went there. Hey guys, you can follow me and I would love to talk with you guys, uh, interact with you. I- I'm so excited about what I've seen uh, with the support and-, and the people that are saying, Hey, we-, we appreciate what you guys are doing. So if you go on to Twitter and you can follow me at, Eric Boston three that is at Eric Boston the number three um give us a follow uh talk to us because we will get what you want onto this show that's I mean that is our goal here is to have a show that gives a voice to the fans and we can't do that without you guys or otherwise we're just going to be talking about what we want to talk about which we have no problem doing but we want to talk about what you guys want to hear so let's just help us do that uh you know hit those retweet buttons uh share the links for the podcast um you know go on to itunes go on to google play uh make sure you subscribe to track star sports that way you get not only out of the pen each and every saturday but you get other great uh podcasts across the world of sports you know heart of the nba playoffs you know going on right now our man miles austin with the heart in the paint 
uh, podcast over there on TriStar Sports is going. You've got a lot of great NFL coverage and the and the drafts coming up. So you know. Tune in to Trackstar Sports to get the latest and greatest news that is coming out. Tell your friends, share on your social media platform. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And hey, we've made it through two episodes now. We are That's right. We, we, I feel like we're doing something. We're doing we're doing something, Ryan. So uh, tune in next Saturday, guys, and each and every Saturday for new episodes of Out of the Pen. We appreciate it, and we will be talking to you guys next week. See you guys. Peace.